Welcome to Genius Leadership, Overcoming Everything podcast. Join me every week for insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their roller coaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. I'm your host, Anna Lieben, and before we kick off, let me invite you to a complimentary strategy call where during 30 minutes we work on identifying your zone of genius and lay out a plan for you to stay in that zone as much as possible. Schedule the call via link in the show notes. And for now, let's take a ride together. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to the show and another episode of Genius Leadership Podcast. Today I'm going to talk to Patrick Ayander. He is tuning in from Finland, and you'll hear how we're discussing that he would prefer to not put labels on people, but it's inevitable, and you probably want to know whom you're going to talk, uh, whom you're going to listen to. So let's take what he calls himself from on his webpage. Petri is a business artist, and as I say in our conversation, he is the man who makes the magic happen in businesses. Petri is passionate about building the future with growth, growth companies, and he's usually helping founders to make better decisions in a fast, efficient, and fun way. And that work brings new ideas, new customers, partners, funding, and higher valuation in uh, building successful growth of companies that are at the scaling phase in their in their life cycle. And Petri's mission is to empower individuals to create an inspiring, global, humane society based on dignity, voluntary cooperation, and respect for individuals. And you'll hear a lot about mission and values in our conversation. And I think that Petri's way of speaking and way of thinking and way of communicating really shows that he has written those words on his webpage, not for the sake of writing them, but he's actually meaning that and he's living that. I invited Petri because he said to me that his mind has always been silent. And I think that's something that we all need more of nowadays. And I know a lot of leaders who ask me how to get there. So I thought, let's get into Pietra's mind and see what we can learn from that to have that space for ourselves to reflect, to to just be. And even though Pietra says in the interview that he's always been like this and it's just his natural state and he knows that it's not everyone who func- that functions this way, I know that we all can learn something from his wisdom that he's sharing here. So really like sit straight, listen actively and carefully because there will be a lot of nuggets that he is dropping in the conversation that you can tap into, implement and see great results in the quality of your life. And I don't mean the physical things, the material things. I mean the quality of life in your head, the quality of living, if you wish. So you'll hear us talking about, as I said, leadership, and that for Petri is a lot about creating the mission and defining the values and then taking action based on those. As I said, we're talking about the silence in the head. A lot of the conversation goes back to that. How do we create it? What does it give us? Why would we try to get it? What do we need to give up on in our lives to get that? How can we switch the channel if reference goes to the conversation with Pietri if we want to live in the reality show instead of History Channel or Skyfi. And I'm pretty sure that some of your listeners are more into Skyfi or more into history than reality show. But listening to the conversation, you understand what we what we mean and why we think it's worth trying. We're gonna talk about saying no. 
the power of that and the different ways of doing that. I know a lot of ambitious, wonderful, genius leaders that you are, are struggling with that. Say no to people in the fear of not being liked, in the fear of being rejected uh, down the road in the future and so on, but also say no to the opportunities. And Petri is talking about the opportunity cost. And I want you to listen to that and, and think and reflect, where can you say no? And I hope you'll take on his challenge about saying no. And also maybe my way of, um, or my exercise that I give there in that conversation. We're talking about the planning of life and discussing our very different approaches to scheduling our days or not. So you'll hear how Petri's living with his life and his days. And you'll hear about me living by my calendar. And as I mentioned there in the conversation, I hope this gives you permission to explore and find your way of doing it. And knowing that there is no wrong or right way, there is your way and there are others' ways. And it's important to live by your way. So I hope you'll take this conversation and really take it as the opening to exploring yourself, knowing yourself better, knowing what matters to you, knowing how do you function. And I hope you'll take the practical tips as well and implement them in the life. And to summarize, I want to give you the three tips that Petri is given in the end of the conversation about being curious, being humble, being a good listener. And then he asked for permission to add the fourth one, which is having fun. So have fun. Enjoy the ride of this conversation with Petri Kayander. And as always, let me know what you think and see you on the other side. So, Stream Art is showing that we are live here, and I'm super happy to have my guest today, whom I will present in a moment. But just first of all, thanks everyone to uh, for showing up and spending your time with us. You know, everyone's time is precious, and I'm really happy that you are deciding to take some time from your day to hear our conversation and to see what you can learn from it and take some reflections and inspiration and practical tips from the Genius Leadership Podcast and live show. So today I have Patrick, Patrick Agenda with me. He is a wonderful mind and a business mentor. You probably would say differently, Petri. Uh, how would you call yourself, actually? <laughs> I don't think I will label myself. You know, that, that goes yeah. pretty nicely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was thinking. Like, I was looking at your web page and you use some words, but at the same time, you try, try to describe the experience, right? Without, without labeling it too much, what you do, what kind of magic you create with the founders with whom you work. So let's just roll with, the magic creator <laughs> as <laughs> that's a nice title I label. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the perception i get from you from our conversation before and from your fh and all your content that i've i've managed to consume so far well, and thank you Petri, I'm glad to be here i'm i'm very happy that you found the time as well i usually start with the question about leadership because that's the overall topic for for the show so what is leadership to you and who is a leader well i think leadership is all about reminding people where we're going, why we're doing what we're doing. So it's about mission, it's about vision. So you have to show the big picture, the purpose of everything. And uh, obviously, you don't need to define it yourself, but you have to be the sort of the voice for that in order that the people know what should be done. And um, another important part is values. And that's basically more like being. It's, it's not exactly acting yet, but you know, so the mission and, and the values are more important than anything else, I think. And then comes the action part, which is leading by example. And this, I think, uh, this is a pretty powerful thing if you can do it. 
and uh, the rest basically follows from there. Obviously, there's a lot of other other stuff coming for the leadership as well, taking responsibility and uh, listening and embracing other people, serving them. But I, I think it's it's all about uh, who you are as a person, and uh, your actions speak more louder than anything else. So I think that's leadership, and and then yep. anyone who does those things, I think, is a leader. Okay. You sort of. Uh, Earn it by doing is is not you know what the title says, but you know anyone can be a leader. And if you just put a bunch of people in the room, you start to realize that some of them might be the the leaders there without anyone nominating them. So I think in the West Wing episode, many many moons or even years back, I think there was a joke that uh, the leader is someone. Uh, well, leader without follower is, is is just a person taking a walk. So yeah, other people are making the choice that whether you are a leader or not. It's it's not up to you. I think you're tapping into quite a lot of interesting things here that I would like to unwrap a bit more. But I would like to first summarize what you said. It's about mission and then values and then action, right? And it's like getting on board the others, but it sounds like you need to know those things internally for you and personally for you first. Yeah, because it's about being. And if you don't have values, it will show in your action as well. If you don't, if you don't know where you're going and you're not clear with your with your purpose, you don't really know, you know, what might be doing what we're doing. How can you expect other people to do that? And because you're leading the organization usually, uh, and so there's a lot of people, and and they are making the decisions. You don't need to make those, you know, actual decisions oftentimes, but you have to tell them, you know, why why they're doing what they're doing and where we're going. And if by definition you're the leader who should be showing the way, and you don't know where you're going, it's pretty hard to do that, and. Uh, so that way, I think these are the more important things in the, in, as a sort of basis. And then the action will follow. So it actually reflects what you're doing. It's such a perfect answer, Petri, because it, it, it almost sounds like I asked you to, to, to answer exactly that way, because that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to interview you about. Really, how to learn thyself. So how to know yourself as a leader. Because without that part, it's very difficult to lead the others in a good, sustainable way and respectful way for both to both yourself and to the others. And I really want to explore that more with you because one phrase from our first conversation really stuck with me and I wrote to you about that, that you said, it's always been silent in my mind. And I know that that's not the case for a lot of leaders whom I work with or interact with. And I want to get into your brain and help them understand how to get that silence. Because I've experienced it myself. I'm not as guru as you there. I'm not having it all the time. But thanks to meditation, I, I do get into that state. And it's it's beautiful. And it's so powerful. And it's definitely something that every leader should have in their life. And in their everyday life. So can we talk a bit more about that? How come that you have this peace and silence within yourself? I don't know how it is. I probably was born that way, wired in the beginning that way, and uh, it's been more or less silent. And, and I just sometime early in my life realized that it's not basically the thing for everyone else, so at least some of the people. So I, I, can, I can only speak for myself, and I'm probably, I cannot give any advice for anyone else to do, but I, I think certainly meditation helps. There are a lot of things what you can do, and uh, I think it's a lot about being again. Uh, this goes to the, also to creativity as well. 
you probably have seen have those moments of inspiration and everything just comes when you're brushing your teeth or you're, you're in the shower or you're cleaning you know the apartment or house or whatever you're doing or you're just basically doing something manual where you your mind is not occupied but you're doing something or you're running or you're doing something which is not occupying your your, your mind so much and uh, those moments are the precious things where the, the magic happens and uh, how to get there is actually the thing. And, and you have to remove a lot of stuff for that to appear. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people nowadays, that you're so busy. You have programmed your life. Your calendar is full. You are all the time on the move. And uh, boredom, being bored, mm. is the key for creativity. It's the key for all the good stuff. But how to be bored? Well... By definition, you have to not do much stuff. You, you, you have to let go a lot of things and then it appears. It, it doesn't come by command. Mm-hmm. You have to allow it to happen as well. So the peace of mind, creativity, all these things go a bit together. If you're too stressed with your life, if you're too busy, you, you're running around, you, you're having tons of meetings, uh, a lot of uh, stuff is happening in your life, it's chaos in your life, uh, you're stressed. That's when you're in that situation, it's really difficult to do something fun. It's really not so nice to try to put you yourself in a good mood. It doesn't work. You cannot command any of these things. So uh, the only thing I think which really works is that you have to structure your life in a way that which allows these things to happen. But there are also things what you can do to, to get better. So um, there's a lot of techniques. For example, if you're talking about business, what you can do, you can take less meetings. If you have hired brilliant people, and I hope you have, and I, I think you probably have, then why are you involved with decision-making? Let them do the decisions. Delegate. You should basically be redundant yourself in a way that, you know, you just should be, just make sure that, you know, the values are right. We're going the right di- direction and just um, let the other people do the, do the, a lot of moving. And, and the other thing which I tend to say oftentimes is also that uh, motion does not mean progress. Motion mm-hmm. is easy. And I don't, uh, this is sort of something I'm kind of playfully also sometimes saying that um, your inner serenity is reflected on your outer being. It's easy to move. It's easy to run around. It's easy to jump into action. It's the opposite not to do those things. And it's, you can, you can pick any field in, in the world. Um, I was just listening to acquired podcast, uh, and, and they were talking about Warren Buffett. And he's really good at not doing things. He's basically holding a lot of the investments and just buying, you know, once a year, you know, in a few years, a particular company. And, and then he's just holding it. And, and that's the hard part. The tra- day trading is easy. Going in and out of positions, doing a lot of things, that's easy. But, but sort of the patience, and not doing things is hard. But the, I think that's the key in, in a lot of the things. So in order to get your mind silent, you have to restructure your life. You have to get rid of a lot of things. You have to weight your priorities as well. Mm. Why I'm doing this? Is this necessary? Is this bringing benefits for me in the long term? Is this something which I'm just doing because I'm used to do, being doing those things? So there's, there's a lot of this uh, mental inner work you need to do in order to, to gain that. But the good thing is that you can start now and by practice, you can get better. And I don't know anything else which works except the meditation. 
and it's tough work as well in the beginning. You have to be consistent and it's easy to probably get some quick results later on. It gets harder and put by practice, you, you can get better mm-hmm. in that one. And, and, and then you can also, while you're doing busy stuff, you can in your inner mind, think about that situation. If you're doing it the same time or same spot, same place, and you can go there and you can almost immediately switch to that mode while you're doing whatever you're doing. And um, the quiet mind is basically just something which helps you to observe things. Because when you're observing things, you're not usually taking any positions. And that's a pretty good skill when you're living your life or doing business. And the more unbiased, there's no, well, everything is subjective in our reality. So there's no objective reality. But if you can really see what's happening and not what you want to see, that helps a lot. So you can get better also with your assessing things. And also, uh, if you're talking about, I don't know, are we talking about the silence in the mind? Are talking about creativity as well? Because I think they go together. But the creativity yeah. comes really as well when you, when you are curious, you're asking things. And that sort of comes from the boredom as well. There is so much going on in my mind now, Petri, and I feel like we could do a whole season with you just to like unwrap and unravel and go deeper into so many bits of wisdom that you've said here. I want to share a bit of a personal experience with our viewers and listeners. Like, as I said, I, I do experience silence in my mind, but what you just said now, this silence, it helps to observe. I think that I I have reached to quite a like good level that it also helped got got to me with the meditation. I Four years later, ago, I did a silence retreat in, in Thailand where for 10 days we went completely silent and meditated for 10 hours per day and got up at 4 a.m. and so so on and so forth in the middle of the jungle. Of Inner work, but it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And it helped me slow down and start observing my mind, really. And this, what you're talking about, the silence, it's really about taking the judgment out and noticing my thoughts. And it's, there's such huge power in that for me. And it, as I said, it's practice. It's not like I'm completely in Zen all the time, 24-7. But I notice my thoughts, I notice the patterns, and every time I notice them, I acknowledge them. And sometimes I still go through the motion because I'm not perfect. Usually, uh, we tend to associate ourselves, I'm angry you say. But actually, if you can start to observe it, I'm starting to feel like the emotion of angriness in me. I'm not angry. I have this feeling of angriness. It comes, then it stays, and then it goes. Mm. But it's not me. It just occurs and happens to me. Mm. And there's a difference. Usually you don't realize that you just, you don't see that when it's coming. You see it while you're exactly in the middle of it. You observed uh, you are absorbed in it, so so you, you are yelling or you're already acting like you that angry person. But I think that's what you get with practice, that you can have these feelings, but you also have a distance from them, that you can decide what to do about it. And oftentimes you don't do anything about it, so you allow them to happen, but you're not, you don't, it's like railway station. There are some trains coming, some trains going, and you don't really need to bother with the trains, you can just see what happened. And that's with the, with, the, with the thoughts as well. If you have some thoughts, same thing. They come and they go, but it's up to you. How do you respond to them? And I think this helps in, in a lot of situations. While you're doing your busy life, while you're 
in a situation which is not nice in a, in a business negotiation or you're late, you're running around, you just missed the train. That's where the, the real work is. Or in all those moments when you can still laugh, not be sort of in the middle of it. Uh, I think that's the sort of the power of it. So nothing becomes too serious and you can always have a bit of better judgment, hopefully, with your actions. So you acknowledge what's happening. And that's, I think, one of the powers what you can do. And, and that's pretty good business skill, but life skill as well. Oh, yeah. I want to pick up and emphasize one thing that you said here. This language shift from I am angry to I feel anger or I have this emotion at the moment. It's very powerful because it suddenly is not part of our identity. It's something that we're going through. It's an experience, but it doesn't have to mean that we are that. And yeah, it's the same thing. Like you asked that, what's my label? It's, it's the yeah. same thing. I, I, I do a lot of things, but it's, it's not me. It's just, it's just uh, and, and that's with the language. We tend to put a lot of labels. We tend to put people in the boxes and, and define a lot of these things. And that's what the mind does, but it's not really necessary. And we only know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. We don't even see what we don't know. That was quite an inception kind of a phrase there. (laughs) Yeah, we're getting to the deeper ones, but you say that you wanted to go there. So it's uh, maybe you remember there's probably a 10 years old or even older video where there's uh, basketball players and the observers were asked to to count something or do something with, you know, how many goals or something happening in there. Or later on, they asked, "Did, did you see anything exceptional in there? Weird. People didn't see anything. And then they saw it again. And there's a huge monkey or, or some, some, you know, stuffed animal uh, in the human shape, obviously walking across the course. So if you're really expecting something to happen, you see that and you don't see the, the, the rest. Or if you're buying a new car or clothes or whatever, you start to see those popping all over the place and you didn't recognize them before. Mm-hmm. And that's just how the human mind works. For good and for bad, right? That's, that's what made us survive. <laughs> and yeah, it's helps basically, us- yeah. Indeed. But it's also Actually, preventing us from a lot of things. For sure. If if I would scrap the labels, how would you like if, if we just you allowed to no, but that's the thing. Like if 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 you if we dream a bit about like, okay, this world where no one needs labels for themselves, just for me here on the screen, it says Anna label, comma, mind shifter. I put a label there for myself. If I would scrap those, how would an introduction look like? Just like saying hi, I'm Anna, a human being. What would you say? Well, you could describe some of the things. But, um, obviously, labels help us to communicate. But it's also that, uh, what is a chair? You have an image of a chair in your mind when I say the word. But is it, is it a sofa? Is it, is it with wheels? How does it look like? What is the color? Everyone has a different chair in their mind. But I say chair, and you think that we're talking about the same thing. Most of the times, we are not even close talking about the same things. This goes because of our experiences, our knowledge. So we should actually assume that everything we talk about, everything we label, everything we try to sort of communicate to other people are miscommunication. So if you start from the premise that it's miscommunication, and then you hopefully try to have some kind of understanding, I think we would get way further ahead that this goes back to the leadership as well. That's fascinating. I tend to think that the no scrapping assumptions is a very powerful practice just feeling like okay i'd better be over communicating and asking a couple of questions to betty to make sure that 
we're at least similarly on the same, or in the same book, not necessarily even in the same on the same page, but at least somewhere in the same universe with our conversation. I'd rather be on that side of being a bit too buzzy with my communication rather than assuming one thing's too many, one thing too many, and just twisting the relationship, the communication in the wrong direction. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about as well. Yeah, it's a lot about listening. It's a lot about observing because if that's where the understanding is. That's how you can actually start to even get some new stuff. Because if now I'm talking, I only can talk what I already know. So it's basically boring for me. If I'm listening, I can probably <laughs> learn something new. So that's why listening is so important. And then if you paraphrase again, you know, come back to the person and say, okay, is this what you say? Uh, did I understand correctly? That's probably a better way to also to, to get to the common goals and, and also to the leadership. So it's always good, good to ask questions and let the, let the people to describe and, and let them to do the talking. Because the silence and, and what you say, how you say, what you're not saying, tells awful lot as well. That's very good. Can you give an example? Uh, any situation, if you're recruiting any, someone, for example, you, you, it doesn't really matter the question, but what they are saying, how they're saying, what are the things they think are important. For example, if you ask, uh, name three things of importance for you or the most important uh, experiences as a, as a business leader or something, what they tell. But, but maybe there's something more important that they missed. Or what, what are your values? Did they miss something? So there, there are a lot of these layers and levels where the observing and seeing what's missing is more important than what's been said. But that's, again, a situation where you need the capacity to do that. You have to just wanted to come to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to say for that, you need to, to have the space, mental space, uh, as, as you said, capacity to, to really be present in the moment, to be able to observe without thinking of your next question, without thinking about how you are looking at the moment and so on, instead of being self-occupied. Be- and you need a silence. So then you have the capacity. Then you can see that, okay, that other person put their hands like this or leaned back or they, they were giving the glance to each other or you know all the other stuff which is happening as well at the same time. But then you have the capacity because you're not labeling, you're not doing or thinking about the lunch or the next meeting or did I put enough money, money onto the park meter while you're doing or, or waiting for the other person to stop so in order to, that you can speak. If you're present in the moment and you, you're basically doing nothing except observing, being in the moment, then you're fully there. And you can take whatever it's given at that particular moment. I experience it quite often with podcasting, both with being a guest and a host. That quite often I re-listen to the finished episode later on, the edited one, and I'm like, I had no clue we had this kind of conversation. I was so much in the moment. I was not scripting. I was not preparing my answers or my questions. I just go with the flow. And I just have goosebumps right now because those experiences are so beautiful. These conversations, I love them so much. I'm just coming here and I'm fully present with you. And I'm not talking, thinking about how do I look on the camera. I'm imperfect, whatever. So if someone doesn't like how I look on the camera while I'm fully present with you on the, in the conversation, then it's probably not the people who I need to focus on anyways. So this is the way of creating this capacity or this, the results that the capacity creation can give to us, being really fully present and creating richer experiences for ourselves in every how would you say, interaction. And interaction not necessarily with the other people, but also with yourself. Yeah, we can only be in the moment. And it's your decision how you use the moment. 
And uh, I wrote a book many, many years back. And uh, I, I think there's one piece where we, I talk about that we are usually in the history channel or in the sci-fi channel. We, 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 we seldom are actually in the reality TV, <laughs> even though the reality TV is what's 24-7 on. But either you're thinking something in happening in your past or, or then you're thinking about what's going to happen next. That, you know, I wish I'd already be there or you know, I'm just waiting for my lunch or whatever. And then you're not really present. But unfortunately, you're stuck in the moment. So you just have to try to cope with that. And let's say fortunately, let's just twist that a bit. <laughs> so talk to me about creating this capacity or space to create the capacity. You said about restructuring our lives. And I, I was thinking about that. Quite often it creeps on this business, right? That we're spinning the wheels, we keep running all the time. It's not like we wake up one morning from being bored and then we just like wake up next day and they're like, okay, let's just be on 24-7 and let's think about like living in the History Channel or the Skyfire Channel. It, it's not a decision like that. It really creeps on. And it's like one more thing that we add to our day, one more thing that we add to our to-do list, one more thing that we commit to until it gets too much. When we want to restructure, what's the process there? Would you suggest it be a flip or some gradual change? Guide us through the process, please. I think everyone is different. So you really need to work on yourself. How, how, do, you, how do you think it's the best for you? But I think one, one way to do is that you think about what is boring. What is adding value? You just get rid of those things. Sort of the waste, if you will. Am I needed in this meeting? This, If not why I'm doing this. So if you start to question these things and you start to, you make the decision, okay, I don't need to be there. Okay, I'm not doing it. And you can also become more efficient. So somebody asks a meeting with you instead of a one hour meeting, how about five minute meeting or 15 minutes or 10 minute meeting or ask, can you put it in an email? And when you get the email, you read it once and then you decide, okay, do I need to do something about it? Okay, if you need, maybe reply immediately and then, then get rid of the email. Once again, you save time. So becoming more efficient with your actions, mm. uh, because we do a lot of things over and over again. We go back to those emails. We go back to this, and we don't do decisions. We just you know shuffle the things and, and kick the can a bit further ahead. But then you're basically wasting time because you have to do it again. So Obviously, powerful. there's a tax whenever you're doing a decision, and, and, and it's painful. And then we also been wired to to look at the TikToks and everything new, everything exciting always gets a bit of a dopamine dope. So it's those things you have to also fight a bit, but, but you have to just find your way of focusing on those things which are important. But I think there's a lot of assumptions, like you say, there's also behavioral patterns, expectations. They may even come from your childhood. You don't know why you're doing certain things, but you're doing them because you learn to do those things, but you never question why I'm doing these things. So are these things necessary? Am I doing them for me or am I doing them to, because I think that other people expect me to do those or I, I want to look good for the other people or you know what is your motivation of doing things so if you if you really go through your inventory of your life you may realize that I don't need any of these things and, and probably I can live with maybe a few resources I don't need that big house I don't need that big car maybe I don't need a car at all maybe there's a lot of things you don't need so you don't need to run in a in a basically in the same spot just have a lot of expenses in order to not have time to do anything else. I, I see some comment here. Efficiency is, uh, I don't know the name of urgently because people didn't get the permission to stream it to see the name, but efficiency is the defense between being busy and productive. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, you can be really efficient with something, but if you're difference, doing the wrong yeah, thing, difference. it's just, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 
And, and also busyness. Uh, if, if you're saying that you're busy, it just means that, uh, well, if you're saying that you cannot talk with me because you're busy, it's just saying that I'm a low priority for you. Exactly. And actually, that's something I'm teaching my clients to do, to put it that way. And just today, actually, not with a client, but with a partner, uh, I had a conversation and he said, this, this is my colleague's fault that I didn't prepare for that meeting. And I was like, no, it's unfair towards your colleagues. It's on you. You let them do that. No, that's and the, he said, the, leader, the responsibility, being responsible exactly. for all your actions, whether they are your fault or not, but you're responsible. You are the actor in your life. So act like a responsible adult. And that's the power of it. I always emphasize that I'm not putting the blame on you. I'm giving you the power. By reframing your thoughts and your words this way, we're showing you that you can be the actor. You can sit in that driver's seat and actually decide where to go how far to go and so on. And going back to what you said about uh, reflecting on what's boring, I would like to tap into that because I directly came up with a couple of people in my mind who are like, they would feel uncomfortable saying no to people and saying like, no, I, I'm not going to show up at this meeting because I'm not adding value or it's not adding value to me. When people have this resistance that they feel like, ooh, I don't want to be not liked. I don't want to step on someone's toes by setting the boundaries this way. What would you suggest those people, Petri? The big revelation, well, not really, <laughs> is that most of the time, people are not thinking about you at all. They're thinking about mm. themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. And uh, then another thing is that, are you living for other people or are you living for yourself? If you're not taking care of yourself, how can you expect to, to help other people either? So... I think uh, the only only thing is really to, to think about it. Okay, how am I using my time? Is this the best use of my time? You don't need to be rude to people. You you can do it in a nice way. You can explain that. Okay, I'm not needed. You know, you you're fully capable of. Uh, I trust you totally, so you can do the best decision. And if you need me, then call me or send a text. And you know, I'm available, but I'm not coming to this meeting. I don't think I had value. So I, I think it's a really good practice to start to say no. So maybe just to test it for a day or two. I just pull it out of my hat uh, that. What if you say no to everything in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And then if you have a really good reason, then you say yes. But otherwise, it's just no. But then you can say it's just a principle. I just say no. What would yeah. happen? In many of our heads or in, in many people's heads, it's a life and death kind of question. And this behavior is really more on the death side. But I think, Petra, you just gave a good practice for people to really turn it that way. And I discussed it with one of my clients in the interviews before, Frederick Grant, that that's what, what we're working with him on, uh, to say no to people. Because a lot of people are coming to him because he has experience with starting businesses. They, they come for some business advice and so on. And he just loves that. It's, it's his passion. So he just says yes to everyone. But that meant that he, his business, his own business that he's trying to grow has been sacrificed for helping the others. And I was like, okay, now you need to focus on that. Get it off the ground and get to the next stage, which you want to. Because for now, you don't have the resources for that, the capacity for that because of helping everyone else. And we practice to say no in different ways. I said, it can be not right now, but I can help you with that in that period of time. Or I can help you with only this part, but this is too much for me to commit to at the moment. Or no, but I know this person and I could connect you with that person. They could help you as well. So you can really be creative and there could be another practice to do, uh, come up with. 10 different ways of saying no. No, you can do and practice them. different intonations and, and different ways. Yes, but. And I think if you're doing just things because you are too afraid to say no, it leads to a life where you are not happy. 
And if you're not happy, you're miserable, and and people around you become miserable. So you're not used for anyone else either. So I, I don't think that's the way to go. And if you start to practice to do to say no, then you probably with the with the tiny things first, and you start to see that you know it's not the end of the world, and it's it's getting easier and easier. And if you think about, for example, let's take a clubhouse. They said no to all the Android people. They said loud no, no, you are in the wrong you know operating system. You cannot have clubhouse experience because you're an Android. No, you cannot get in because you're not in a, you don't have an invite. Get an invite, then you get in. So there's actually a lot of power in no as well. It shows to other people as well that you, you, you respect your time and you kind of have to earn that, whatever it is in order to, to get that person to say yes. So there's actually quite a lot of things in, in hidden there. So it's a very powerful word. It is powerful. And sometimes you can twist and discuss, of course, with Clubhouse, there are a lot of people who criticize that decision, saying that they're excluding. They officially say that, okay, it's because of the resources. We would rather build a good experience on one platform and then scale it rather than doing a crappy job on both platforms, trying to please everyone, not pleasing anyone at all. So they have created this exclusivity in a way, but yeah, you can you can say that they just manipulate maybe and create the hype, but on the other hand, they have said no to really scale back and to take care of their own resources, to set their own boundaries, uh, and also to create the good experiences with that and to use the resources in an efficient way, just as you said, Petri. That's what we need to do. Yeah, I, I think we are we are in a world where there's uh, limited resources. You know, time is a limited resources for us as well. So there's always an opportunity cost. If I say yes, uh, there's things I cannot do. Yeah. If I would have said yes to some things, maybe I would not have met Anna at all, or we would not have this podcast experience. So that's the thing. But, but you don't, we, we only know what we know. We don't know what amazing things would happen if you say no. And you would be poor and you went to a walk and then you meet the amazing person and then you're having a business together and then it's another, another clubhouse or some new amazing service coming up just because of that one powerful no. No, I'm not going to that meeting. I'm going to be on a bench in the sun. Yeah, the power of no. Another example I just want to give uh, the other, last week I think it was, that I had a conversation with a friend and he said that he's practicing saying no to his team. He's a leader in an organization and he said, I stopped picking up the phone because I really got into the firefighter mode and all my employees are calling me with any single thing or like any tiniest thing. And he said, I choose, even if I can, I do not pick up the phone. And I call them back 15 minutes later. And he said, nine out of 10 of those call, bail, uh, call back later situations, they said, ah, that was nothing. No. So that was his way of challenging himself, but also getting out of that firefighter mode. Yeah. And also teaching the people to think by themselves, you know, using yeah. your brain and, and really doing the work you're supposed to be doing, make decisions. Back, like, so you're not really that again. important. World will survive without you. So just have mm-hmm. some fun. For sure. I want to tap back into the being what you discussed and, and say uh, or read out one piece from your, or from extract from your book. Uh, that one is called The Meaning of Life to Be. We're just becoming. As long as we have to become, we're not. When we only are, there is nothing else, a pure state of existence. I really loved it and I had to reread it many times and stop at every period because there are like a couple of simple sentences, but so much power in them. This thing of becoming, that means that we have to, like, we're not good enough as we are at the moment or this kind of strive to get somewhere else. And if we reshape, reshape it, reform it, to really the meaning of being, 
then we just exist. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? How did this tiny piece, but such powerful piece came to you? Where is this wisdom coming from? What kind of experiences? I wrote that book in, uh, I think it was a course of a uh, hundred days. Each evening I wrote a small piece when I was really tired or I didn't have anything to fancy to say or nothing. Well, I just didn't have anything in my mind. I wrote a poem. I wrote something like that. So that was probably like five minutes or two minutes. I just put it on the paper and, and, and that was it. But like I said in the preface of the book, I was doing a lot of things at the time. I think I was, yeah, I was, I was a startup founder at the time. I was raising funds. I was studying full time, doing my masters at the time. Then I was also earning my living and then I was writing the book. So those four things I was doing at the same time. And uh, then basically what happened during the days where just the material for those things, uh, they, they are, and it's a long time ago, I wrote a book, so I don't even remember, but I, I think there's something in the book where I mentioned as well, that it's not important what happened during the day. It's important sort of these things, these distilled things, these qualities or these experiences are more relevant than describing where I went or with whom I talked or what I heard and, and what, what, what things happened. So your life is your material for these things. It's just up to you whether you have the capacity and uh, you can acknowledge those things and see the subtext, the context on things. Mm. Coming back to that, what you wrote, motion is no progress. That's what mm. the mind does. It doesn't exist if it doesn't give you thoughts. It only exists when you're thinking. So it, the mind needs motion, occupancy. You don't. So many of the things what we do in life, there's no really no purpose for them, except you are creating all the meaning for it. Going a bit more extreme, you could say that nothing has any meaning except the one you create for it. So if you start to think about it in that way, you could be like a child asking for every decision, why? Why are you going to school? Why are you going to work? Why are you going to shop? Why are you doing? Why, 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 why? And oftentimes you don't really have any good answers for that. And the becoming is that I'm doing this in order to something else happening in the future. So I'm just sacrificing this moment for the something better in the future. But oftentimes that's not happening. Like a lot of people are saying that, yeah, I will do that when I retire. And then they die in the next day when they retire or something happens. So a lot of these things which are not really preventing us to do things now, but we just have these mental blocks or we just have these excuses or whatever that we just saying that we cannot do it now. It's better to wait. So is your message here to stop waiting and living for the future moment? Yeah, just be in the moment. Acknowledge what, what you have. It's up to you how do you decide to spend your time. If mm -hmm. the sun is shining like now it's plus 25 and it's an awesome, amazing weather. So probably I will go next outside. Maybe I need to work, but maybe I can work while I'm there. Or I can do something else, combine things. It's always the choice. How do you do it? But if, if I'm planning the whole day beforehand, in the morning, seven o'clock, drinking the coffee and, and like, okay, 7.45, I do this. And then 45, I do that. And then you just execute it like a robot. You are not in the moment. How do you find balance between plannings that you actually have the space for the, for the silence and having that silence moment? I don't plan. My calendar is basically empty. There's only a few things in the calendar. I don't want to put the stuff in the calendar. I have stuff there, but there's not many things in there. So it's another way of living. It doesn't mean that I don't do things, but it, it means that when I'm in the mood of doing something, then I do that. And I usually do that very efficiently. If I'm not in a mood of doing something, I don't do it. 
that's what I learned as well. When when you're really busy as well, if you if you need to do the bookkeeping or you need to do the receipts for the expense reports and you're not in a mood, don't do it. Do it when you're in the mood or you know that you know it's maybe in the early thing, first thing in the morning. Is also these little practices how you can plan your life. Uh, if you think about, for example, today, if you prioritize, for example, the most important things what you need to do, and you start to do those first. In the course of the day, then you're getting more less important stuff and less important stuff. So you can just drop and be happy that you you did some stuff already. Uh, so there's a lot of these tricks which can keep you still efficient, but allow also spontaneity to happen. But it, it doesn't mean that you're not planning for the future. Yeah, you are not doing. But you have to keep in mind what is really important, where you want to go, what you want to do. You are not necessarily saying how you go there, but you know that you you need to do certain type of things. Like I need to have a podcast episodes every week. You don't need to do it now, but you just have to come up with uh, with the episode, you know, in the in the course of the next week, for example. And then you may bump into an amazing book or person, and and it sort of magically happens when you're in the right mood. And but if you force it, usually it doesn't come the right way. You're only not in a you know good uh, headspace, and and the email doesn't come nicely, and then you are refused because you were not putting the right words. I think what you're saying now can be very triggering for many people. I myself honestly feel some resistance here. Because I live by my calendar recently. I've put the blocks for there for all my wake hours almost. And no. obviously not all, the, all of them are work-related. I have my date night with my husband in there. I have my sports there. I have my morning routine there and evening routine because I know that those things are what keeps, keep me sane and healthy. And I totally hear you. And I, I have this feeling like I like both of them. How, <laughs> how can I choose? Because I do feel like I, I do, by, by having the structure, I create some space for myself to be. Because I know that, okay, in those parts of the day, I have created the structure for myself. I've got things done. That means that I can, I, they're out of my mind and I have the space to, to just enjoy the silence. Yeah, well, if that works for you, you, you may, for mm-hmm. example, say that I'm, I'm working these hours. You may not specify what other tasks you're doing. So you can pick and choose mm-hmm. the ones you like to do at that particular time, but you're working at that time. And I do understand that people have obligations and, and you have to, put your schedule with, uh, with other people as well. But still, I think there's a lot of things you can do, but just make sure that it's not that you feel like that you're in control. Mm. Because that's a mind trick as well. But you don't really control anything. If the power goes out, uh, this podcast goes down, and, and it's not in our control in a sense. So there's a lot of things which are not in control, but by planning, you think that you're in control. It sort of gives you a sense of motion again, progress, because you're doing these tasks. Are they the right things to do? You feel the power by putting them in the in the calendar and executing them. It's a good feeling to get some stuff done, but are you doing them for the right reasons? Are they necessary things? Are you just keeping yourself busy not to think about or become bored or doing something awesome? I think here we're tapping into something very important. The why, the reasoning be- behind your business or what you're doing has to be there. As you said, you started this conversation with mission and values. And those are the things that are on top of my mind every day. I write down my values every day, physically with pen on the physical paper, because they're important for me. I try to live by them. And all the activities that I put in my calendar are the ones that are in alignment with that. And because of that, it actually feels good. It's stressful, to be honest, building a, my own business right now in a new country during the COVID times with a small baby. It all adds up. It's not a complete walk in the park, but having this alignment with my why and with my values, they make the daily choices easier, more straightforward. 
now I'm just philosophizing here next with you about the different ways of finding this way to stillness. And I think what I could summarize it with is that, as you said, we're all different and we need to find our way. There is no wrong or right. I think the key is that you're not forcing things. If you're not in the mood of doing something, you don't force, you you do something else. So you do those things which sort of naturally comes. And and as a, as a sort of a joke, if you think about it, you have only two really the most boring things you can ever think about and hate, mm-hmm. and you cannot stand them. Start to do the other one, and you because you're so frustrated of doing that, then you switch to the other one, and you do that a few times, and both of them are done. <laughs> oh, that's a good hack. <laughs> no. So... It, it, it's also that if, if you focus on something, you get tired by just uh, writing or whatever you're doing. And, and then you, if you switch to other tasks, which is not like that, you, you're cleaning the toilet or whatever you're doing, cooking. So you, you get more out of the day. You get more stuff done if you're sort of fluctuating between vari- having a variety in, in your actions and knowing that, you know, I have a focus span of 20 minutes or the creativity comes in, uh, okay, it's now, so I do this. And, and then you switch to something else and you allow that to happen. I think it's a very good point here that we should really emphasize again. It's not about, like, it's about not forcing things. It's about yeah, and, and you are not in life. control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If a lot of the things, if you're hungry or if you're tired, you have a headache or something happens, your calendar doesn't say that, you know, this happens if if you are not uh, having a headache or tired. It's just there and then you do it because you're having a headache or tired. But you're not really in, in control of these things. You are in control, you know, what do you do? How do you decide to use the time? What do you have and, and what do you feel like doing? So knowing yourself, acting from, from that space, you can get a lot of stuff done. So I'm not saying that don't do stuff. You can do a lot of stuff. You can actually get more stuff done. But you only do those things the most efficient way when it's time to do them. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thanks, Petri. I'd like to summarize or wrap up with three questions that I usually ask my guests. One of them is, if you would go give three pieces of advice, and that can be about business, life, whatever, what would they be? Well, being curious is always good because it leads to paths you don't know existed and something surprising and good and amazing can happen. Being humble is also a really good quality. Because it allows, once again, something new and amazing to happen. And it also puts you probably in a perspective and maybe other people will treat you better as well. Mm-hmm. And listening is also a very good skill as well. That's beautiful. I actually am starting consi- start to consider to rename my podcast from Genius Leadership to Curious Leadership. Because I shared it already many times on the show that I thought I was a weirdo talking about curiosity in leadership space. And more and more, my guests are mentioning that fee, like that trait in the conversations with me on the show. So it's just great for me to to find the people who agree that that is a, an important and valuable skill to have to stay curious throughout the life, even when you are on that top in the organization and you're supposed to be the one who knows everything, all has all the answers, and so on. But it's it's great to hear from so many different people that curiosity is the virtue that can help us. Actually, being the top doesn't mean that you need to actually know anything you, you or, or know everything. You can you can basically just helping other people. If you if you am elevating and serving other people, that's way better way. And if you think about you making yourself kind of redundant from the decision making, like I said, not answering the phone, 
it doesn't mean that you are not a good leader. Probably you are even better leader that way because if you allow other people to, to do their job better by giving them guidelines that this is where we're going, this is why we're doing it, just do it. And let me know if, if I can help you and let me help you to get away those blocks, those things which are preventing you to do your job. This is my goal to create the leaders in every workplace who are making themselves redundant in that way. Uh, and I just, uh, when I said about the top, right, and knowing all the answers, I did the air quote marks because that's what I see as experience for many. When people come to the top, they they have that feeling and they have that perception that they're supposed to be the person who knows it all and so on. And that's what I want to shift. And I want to get away from that because no one knows all everything and that's the power of us. And those who become the leaders, they're good at something particular. And that's what we discussed with you. It's about creating the mission, nailing down those values and walking the talk in their way by that, with that empowering the others to walk their talk within the organization. I want to add one thing. Can I add one thing? No. No. <laughs> of course. <laughs> for sure, Petri. <laughs> Go for it. Have fun. Oh, yeah. I think that's a perfect summary for... And I would say that maybe that, that goes to the practical tip that I wanted to ask you about. The, what would be one practical tip that our listeners and viewers can take from the conversation and implement today? And for you, I've never done it before, but for you, I would specifically ask to have fun. What can people do today? Was that a question or was it a sort of a imperative statement? Well, what can people try to do today to actually have fun on their journey? Life well, journey, I, I would say maybe that do something uh, which may be later fun, may not be fun in the moment. Do something mm-hmm. unexpected. Do something out of your comfort zone. So do something you haven't done. If you're walking mm-hmm. every day the same route home, go crazy and go other way. Or <laughs> do something else which is out of character. Because there's a thrill in doing something new. There's a thrill of doing something which is unexpected. And when you go to that zone, you probably can learn something new. You can discover new stuff. And that's fun. But it's also painful because you don't know what's happening. So that you can do every day. You can do little things. You can do big things. You can do crazy things. You can do not so crazy things, but just do that every day and amazing things can happen. Mm, For sure. Petri, if people would like to get to know more about you, contact you, what would be the best ways to go? Well, you can always follow me uh, on social media if you just want to do that. Uh, Or then there's my website as well. My first name, lastname.com, petrikoyander.com. And uh, there's some stuff in there. There are a lot of resources there, uh, links to your YouTube channels and your podcast. And I highly recommend that uh, everyone will find something to their taste and their needs there. We'll put that in the show notes for the podcast. Yeah, the website has been up more than 15 years. So there's probably uh, some blog posts, a lot of stuff there. Maybe not everything relevant, but we know I've been trying to put a lot of things in there. So if you're a business leader, if you're a founder, or just curious about good books to read, there's different type of things to discover. Not everyone can say that. Oh, my website has been up for 15 years. (laughs) Yeah, that's a special thing about you, Pet. I would love to thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing your bits of wisdom. And I think a lot of, like everyone has found something in in your piece of advice and your sharing here that they can take with them and start creating that space for silence in their life and in their mind. So thank you so much, Petri. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. Remember, I'm always here for you. And I'm happy to connect with you on LinkedIn or via email or hop on a strategy call. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything.